Before we start today's episode, a bit of housekeeping for all those listeners out there. Whichever your podcast listening platform of choice, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts or Spotify, reviews can make a huge impact. And not only do we value your feedback, which can help us create better content, it will also help others discover the podcast. So spread the love and leave a review if you've got a minute. And with that, on with today's show. I'm the Reverend Dr. Jenny McKay, veterinarian and minister in secular employment, environmentalist, activist and self-confessed cat junkie. But believe it or not, I have never spent the day on a kayak with two lovable dogs. Someone who has is my guest, Jason Sikowski, science teacher, dog dad of Bunsen and Beaker, and host of the Brilliant Science Podcast. So hi, Jason. Hello. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> oh, we're very happy to have you. So please tell me about what looked like a magical day with Bunsen and Beaker out on the open water. And I must say, I was a huge fan of their life jackets. <laughs> uh, well, safety first, right? Most, <laughs> right. Mo yeah, most dogs are pretty good swimmers. Like Beaker, our golden is a little fish. Um, and Bunsen is our Bernice mountain dog. He does not like to swim at all. He is not a good swimmer. Oh. So just in case we, we have uh, special life jackets for them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and I, we live in Alberta, Canada, and we're not too far away from the Rocky mountains. Like they're, they're a very short drive. And the mountain lakes are absolutely breathtaking. Every time I go, to kayak on or paddleboard they're very cold um they're very cold kind of like probably the atlantic ocean cold or maybe colder yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> um but it is so fun to do something like that with your dogs because when you walk your dogs you get to experience nature you get to see their expressions and mm -hmm. then when you're out on the water with them, it's kind of the same thing. Now, Bunsen's maybe not 100% a fan of being <laughs> on the water. And that's why he goes in the kayak. So he takes uh -huh. up the front of the kayak and he can lay down. Um, but he wants to come. He doesn't like to get, he doesn't, if he had a choice to be left behind on shore or come in the kayak, he'll <laughs> he'll come in, the, he will jump in the kayak so he doesn't get left behind. Um, but Beaker is a pirate. She is a little... <laughs> like uh you know yoho me hardy's kind of little creature <laughs> so she stands up on the side of the kayak she looks around um when she was young she would just jump off the side of it to go on her own adventure so we had to have a marine leash attached to her life check oh my goodness <laughs> yeah and yeah it's just you kayak around you look at the water the wildlife oh. the mountains the sky um, that's that deep aquamarine green color from oh, the Oh, beautiful. Sounds amazing. Yeah, I could keep going and going, but in a in, to I'll wrap it up. That's that's what it's like. Oh, wonderful. So they both like the water in their own different ways, I guess, don't they? Mm -hmm. Well, Beaker, yeah, Beaker loves the water. Bunsen mm, likes to with be with it, so he yeah. so he doesn't get left behind. Goes with the flow. <laughs> yeah. So for those not yet initiated. Can you tell us all about Bunsen, your handsome Bernese mountain dog, and his sister Beaker, who is the equally <laughs> gorgeous golden Labrador and their adventures in science? Yeah, so quite by accident, um, a picture of Bunsen went viral uh, when he was 10 months. 
he's a big dog. Bernice mountain dogs are giant there. And there's other dogs bigger, right? But he was, he was big. He was like 90 some pounds when he was 10 months old. And I was working in my classroom because my, my day job is I'm a science teacher. And I was like, Hey, I wonder, he's so big. He could probably wear my lab coat and I'm six foot three. And I was like, it's going to be too big on him. And no, it fit him perfectly. <laughs> and I snapped a picture of him wearing my lab coat with my, my uh, big safety glasses. And it was a whole thing. And then quickly after that, I realized that if I tweeted from the perspective of a dog, we could teach science mm. to everybody. So that's where our Twitter account took off was Bunsen, the Bernice mountain dog, the dog who teaches you science. And he was always very calm and gentle about everything and uh, took his time to explain things, but there's always a doggy slant. Mm. Like, you know, this is very cool science, but uh, I like, it's very awesome. They're doing this stuff on Mars, but NASA, let us know when you find bacon on another planet, like that kind of thing. Yeah. And that, yeah. It makes it fun, doesn't it? And you reach out to probably a lot more people when you've got this animal aspect to it as well. Yeah. Well, there's a reason why science is, you know, the most famous science communicators traditionally are kind of characters, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you think of Bill Nye, the science guy, he's a character, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. He's himself, but he, played a character on the TV show. And then during COVID, we got Beaker and uh, she was this little chaotic, bitey golden retriever. Um, and within a day, Bunsen just loved this little bundle of shark bite. And now they're best friends and Beaker teaches science too, but she's very excitable. So she talks in all capitals and yeah. is, has a lot of energy. So that's Bunsen and Beaker. Oh, they're, they're absolutely wonderful. And I know you also have a podcast, social media accounts, a website and a newsletter. Yep. But when did that idea of combining your love of animals and your passion for teaching science first come about? Ooh, well, I'm a, I'm a passionate science teacher, right? Like I love my job as being a science teacher and I love animals, like especially dogs. I was that person at a party that didn't really like to talk to people. But if there was a dog, I was, I would be that person hanging out with the dog the whole, the whole time. Um, and as things happen, we got to a point in our life where we were financially stable to welcome a dog into our house. Cause they're, they're a big time commitment mm -hmm. and they're expensive. And man, I just, I, I, it was just, it was basically an accident of putting the two together. And I, I wish I thought of it sooner, but then we, it was, we wouldn't have had Bunsen. It would have been a totally different thing. Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was quite by accident. And I think everybody loves dogs so much that they're willing to suspend disbelief that a dog is teaching you science, right? Yes. Through text. Yes, absolutely. I suppose it's a bit like the reverend vet. Some people don't uh, listen to my reverendy stuff, but they like the fact there are some animals thrown in as well. <laughs> it's the hook. <laughs> it is. So, well, I wish you'd be my um, high school chemistry teacher because I can tell you're really, really passionate about it. Um, it. Can you tell me a little bit about your career in science education? And importantly, did Bunsen and Beaker ever come to school with you? <laughs> Um, man, I forget how long I've been teaching. Um, 
I'm, I'm currently the science department head of my school in Red Deer, uh, Lindsay mm-hmm. Thurber, Lindsay Thurber High School. It's a French immersion school. Okay. So there's an English side and a, a French side. Um, I teach on the English side. I don't speak any French. That was my next question. <laughs> my, my, my sons and my wife are fluent. Um, so okay. they went through French immersion. Okay. And yeah, so I, I teach interbaccalaureate chemistry and I teach, um, I teach that, but I also love teaching the kids who have maybe been discouraged by school. So they're not as academic and they have to take this class to mm-hmm. graduate. It's called science 20. And it's a hodgepodge of a bunch of different types of science, chemistry, biology, physics, and geology. And I, I love teaching that class almost sometimes more because I think I can get those kids to love science mm-hmm. that, you know, they've been discouraged. It's been hard. They have failed or they've struggled, but science, like science is hard and parts of science mm-hmm. are difficult, but yeah. science is amazing. Science yeah. should fill you with wonder every time mm-hmm. you just do anything. Like literally today, NASA was talking about dark matter on Twitter. And I got to ask a scientist a question about yeah. dark matter matter and dark energy and that stuff is mm. wild and that's just like a teeny part of science Absolutely. and do bunsen and beaker come to school sort of <laughs> so um most schools do have a policy that don't allow pets especially fuzzy pets because of allergies oh, that's that's the big thing right mm-hmm. um and then our school is quite international so we have kids from all over the world and some kids are from cultures where dogs are not seen as pets and they are like absolutely terrified of Bunsen and Beaker. So they come in during special times and, Mm -hmm. and the kids, it has to be when I'm not teaching. Right. So a kid shouldn't feel intimidated by an animal I put into the classroom. So they don't come to school. So that's that's when they come and, but the kids love even the kids that are scared of dogs, Bunsen, Bunsen finds those kids and he works so hard to be their friend. It's like he can tell they don't yeah, like yeah, dogs yeah. and he, he'll follow them around and he'll sit and he'll look at them. He'll follow them around and he just tries to kill them with kindness. Oh, <laughs> I'm sure he wins them over. <laughs> Most of the time. Yeah, he's very big. He's very big. So if you don't like dogs and he's this giant bear thing that's like following you around and smiling at you, it might feel like he's trying to eat you. Scary, scary. <laughs> And yeah. I guess your your students are also probably fans of the science podcast. Well, that's a tough one because they know about Bunsen and Beaker, right? And yeah. our social media accounts dwarf anything that they would have. And they are consumers of social media. But one of the things with teenagers you'll find when you work with them a lot is they don't care about what the teacher is doing. They care about what they're learning, right? Mm-hmm. And they care about if they are being cared for. But most importantly, they're they care about themselves. They are they're going to be way more concerned about what they're doing on social media than their teacher and his dogs. So maybe some listen to the science podcast. Okay. Um, but they I do use the guests and I kind of highlight them and they enjoy yes. that. They're like, oh, you got to talk to this person. And I'm like, yeah. Here are two things that they talked about. So they get kind of excited about that. But will they spend an hour to listen to me talk on their podcast <laughs> when they're forced to listen to me all day? Yeah. Probably. 
Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. That's a good point. They just need a little bit of a break, don't they, from their from their teachers. Yes. <laughs> they come storming into my classroom um, because TikTok sometimes pushes oh, yes. our stuff to their feed. And they're mm-hmm. like, you're on my feed. Like, why, <laughs> why are you? Why is your video on TikTok? And I'm like, we're, we're we do okay at TikTok. Like you're mm-hmm. gonna see our stuff eventually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, anyway. TikTok is so 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 popular now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, with the kids and adults too. Yeah, absolutely. And you've you have really embraced this new media and technology um, as a means of teaching science. Mm. But what? What would you say is the biggest change you've noticed in the classroom since you first started teaching science? I think it's the when to use technology and when not to use technology. So um, cell phones, for example, right? When I first started teaching only the richy rich kids, like the kids who had (laughs) okay yeah parents with a little bit of money they are the only ones that had cell phones and cell phone signal wasn't great and wi-fi didn't really exist or i don't think wi-fi existed Mm -hmm. so you really didn't use your phone for anything but like calling your mom or dad to pick you up after sports or um and because you didn't nobody else had a phone you couldn't text anybody it's not like you were you're not probably not going to text many people Um, But now every kid has a cell phone. Every single kid has a cell phone. I'd say almost all kids. So is it a distraction? It absolutely can be. But the kids use their cell phones as a search engine, right? So they, Mm -hmm. if the kids use their cell phones, and it makes me a little frustrated if we have Chromebooks to use for a thing, they'd rather use their cell phone (laughs) instead of the Chromebook. Um, Sadly, they're faster. And I understand that. Um, kids use their cell phones. They don't bring a textbook. Their textbook is on their cell phone. So there's, there's all of these changes. And and the big one is, um, the AI stuff. Like that is something that education is having a big reckoning with right now. Mm -hmm. And I opened my big mouth at a staff meeting. So now I'm the AI guy for our school. So teachers coming to talk to me about (laughs) chat GPT and AI, right. And in science, it doesn't really affect the kid because it's not like it's not like they can use chat GPT on a test, but for the social and English departments with essay writing, yeah. it's uh, it's definitely uh, is completely fundamentally changed what they can expect kids to do when and where. So those are just some changes I could keep going, but um, it gets yeah. pretty, gets pretty uh, into the weeds and maybe not. <laughs> AI so, is a huge, huge issue, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And um yeah, I'll just call out one of my podcasts with Tim Bull, who uh, was an expert on AI and was talking mm-hmm. about all the, well, the positives, I suppose, but with positives, you do get some negatives with this technology, as with everything. Yeah. So we've all uh, experienced the COVID lockdown. We've mm-hmm. come out of it now, but um, I think that the pandemic helped educators embrace technology and online learning practices. How did you get on with remote teaching personally? Yeah, that was a very tough and emotional time. Um, If you're a classroom teacher, most, the biggest thing that you love doing is like interacting with kids. 
Mm-hmm. And when they're online, that is very, very different. So it was, I would have to say it was almost like teachers went through a grieving process, like the ones that were really connected to their kids. Cause we saw them in Canada for a month before they were shut down. So you were starting to build relationships with these kids and then mm-hmm. gone, they're done. Um, so yeah, we had to teach online and I was a little bit more tech savvy than many of my colleagues. So I was ready to go. I was like, excited you know because i love teaching i was I was like a new yeah. challenge i was like let's go we're gonna do online shenanigans and i'm gonna shoot some videos um yeah. and very like not all of my colleagues were at that they were like very stressed out and didn't know how to do it so did they did everybody embrace technology i think some people did and i think some people survived um mm-hmm. because it there it wasn't the way that they were used to teaching one thing that it has definitely improved is many teachers now can post this the notes, right? The things that they do if yes. a kid misses a day. Yes. Because back when I first started teaching, a kid was sick and they come back, they're like, what did I miss? And I'm like, well, talk to your friends, right? Get their yes. notes. Yeah. Um, so generally, we try to throw that stuff online for the kids. Yeah. So at least something and, uh, positive has come, yeah, and, come out of it. <laughs> yeah, and we all learned how to upload stuff to YouTube very quickly. <laughs> yes, and lots of people, young and old, probably the older population, you know, I think they felt a bit stressed out having to go on Zoom to maintain communication with the friends and family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're all, all dab hands at this now. <laughs> Yeah, here's my impression of kids. Um, this is my impression of like 90% of the kids on a Zoom call. Ready? Okay. <laughs> no, yeah. this, is audio, you, this is audio only, so you're going to have to explain what I just did. So, yeah, so so Jason has just turned off his, his camera and indeed, that is right. Sometimes you feel as if you're just talking into a black hole, isn't it? <laughs> And, and yeah. no doubt the kids are there probably doing something in the background, checking their phones, tapping away at the keyboards. But yeah. Uh, yeah, that is that is a very funny experience. So there are some explanations I think I'd like you to give our listeners. Can you tell, tell us what the following are? A danger noodle, <laughs> a cobra chicken, and a chunky murder weasel. And which should we fear the most? So there is a thing I do every Friday on Twitter called text from Bunsen. It's hard to describe, but it's like text conversation that Bunsen has with people from the family. It is very popular and we're, we've written a book and that we've just finished the second book. It's like a compilation of these jokes. Um, so other people seem to resonate with it. And one of the things that start I started and it was, it caught fire was, like, what would a dog, if it was to name an animal, like, what would it name an animal that was like completely never saw before? Um, and one of these, they, I did not come up with myself. It's the uh, Canada goose. The, the, you've probably seen pictures of it. It's the biggest, yes, the biggest goose thing. in the world. It's mm-hmm. got like the, the, the black head and the white body. Um, and they are during nesting season extremely territorial and vicious so when they come back to canada to get jiggy and have their babies they are monsters they're absolutely hiss they will chase you 
off a street. Um, mm-hmm. So they, <laughs> so cobra is the sound that they make like a snake and chicken because they're a bird. So that's, that's, <laughs> that's the good it. Yeah. <laughs> and their neck kind of like curls up like a, yes. a cobra about to strike and they'll bite you. They'll attack you. And then when they go to the States, they just, you know, poop all over the place and they're <laughs> not as, not as vicious. So the, some of the Americans are like, we don't have a problem with them except for the poop. <laughs> Um, what was the other one? A, da- uh, a danger noodle. Oh, a danger noodle. So yes, uh, our son, Adam, our youngest son, Adam had a snake. It was a ball Python, um, mm-hmm. and named Atlas. And I was like, what would a, what would a dog? Cause the dogs generally would not ever come across a big snake. So it was a noodle and it was dangerous. So it became the danger noodle. Danger noodle. Um, yeah. Bunsen had many names for the snake danger noodle, the nope rope. The spooky, the spooky slinky. So I just came up with like, you know, a bunch of names for a tube, um, terrifying <laughs> tube. Yeah. And what was the other one? A chunky murder weasel. <laughs> so you're in the UK, right? Yeah. Right. So there are UK badgers, United Kingdom badgers. Yeah. Right. And they, they are very different than the North American badger. The British badger looks friendly it would invite you in for a cup of tea right a north american badger it looks like it's on meth and it's going to eat your face (laughs) so they they are big they are vicious they keep to themselves like you have to go out of your way to to mess with the badger they'll chase bears like they just don't care they are yeah so a bunch moved into our property because we live on a farm to I think we there was gophers there and moles they were eating, and uh, we were going on a walk and one popped out of its giant hole because they make giant holes and I should have saw it, and it chased Bunsen and I away. Oh, and gosh. Bunsen was like, normally he's very brave and he probably, if my wife was around, maybe he would have fought it or like tried to scare it back. But he's like, nope, we are running away from whatever right. this is. Oof. So, that and they're kind like, of like bul- they're kind of like bulbous, so chonky. Okay. I wonder if they're bigger than the, um, the British badger. Yeah, they're bigger. Yeah. Bigger and nastier. I'll have to Google it. Do a Google image. You'll be surprised how differently they are. (laughs) Well, I think of those three, I think, yeah, I'd be most frightened of that, uh, chunky murder (laughs) weasel. (laughs) But one of my favorite parts of your, of your brilliant Twitter feed is the timeline cleanse and you post these lovely pictures of Bunsen and Speaker and then you get the followers to post their own animal pictures. Mm. Do you think social media could use a lot more feel-good posts like that? Absolutely. Yeah, like um, all social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, um, they have like a dark side right? They have, it doesn't take you too long. And if you're on TikTok, your algorithm will just be people fighting and being angry. It doesn't take too long on Twitter and you will have your whole feed full of people having political fights. Um, Instagram, you'll you same thing. It's pictures, but you can find bullying and racism yeah. and misogyny and all that kind of violent stuff, all gross stuff. So, yeah, I think social media just needs more good. And we are a small cog in that machine. 
And I used to do timeline cleanses when things were feeling heavy mm. in, in on Twitter, especially like something horrible happened in with a shooting or yeah, yeah. Uh, something like that. Yeah. I don't want to bring everybody down, but you, you can, you can get the idea. Like something heavy has happened. And yeah. I was like, why do I have, why should I wait around for something heavy? It should be every day. So uh, I have a scheduler program uh, that helps me, you know, plan Twitter. And I just loaded like a hundred photos into it and it just spits one out every single day. <laughs> and uh, I think it's good for everybody, you know, like just to see you're scrolling and you're like, I'm so, ang- oh, a dog. You something know, so, nice. Something yeah. nice. Absolutely. Have yeah. you, have you had some horrible things put on your Twitter feed? Well, we're a science communication account, so you can probably mm. guess the types of science that we maybe post about that gets a lot oh. of negative yeah, yeah, yeah. comments yeah. and that it gets very gross and it's, I was not prepared for it when I started. Now I, I have, I have cast iron skin. I do not care. Um, these people are not our fans. They cannot hurt us. They're no. not there for Bunsen and Breit Beaker. So um, I do advise other people that, lots like when they're having a rough go with people mm. bullying them i'm like they just they're not real people just say goodbye to them yeah absolutely and a lot of them they just they just wouldn't say those things face to face to to anybody no, they're they? they're cowards they're hiding behind mm. a fake profile so that's yeah that's one of the the hard sides of social media but um mm. yeah you're doing all this wonderful stuff out there so we're going to keep the mood happy and yeah. you've had some really great guests on your on your podcast. And of course, including Dr. Deborah Ratti Das, who's the member of NASA's Mars Science Laboratory team. But can yeah. you tell me which scientific discussion subjects get you most excited? Oh, that is okay. I saw that you sent me this question, and that is almost impossible to answer. Um, I am I am blessed to be able to speak to scientists every week. Like every week I'm usually talking to a scientist. And if I'm, if I'm dumb, I schedule like seven in one week. So some, <laughs> weeks, you know, cause I, I bank the interviews and every single, I love science so much that there's really no area of science that, I, that I am less excited about. My heart is with space. My heart, heart of hearts is with, the space scientists talking about space because it's yeah. so big and so magical and so mind boggling. But then I talk to a scientist that's working on something like the guest that's coming out today. She's working on multimodal imaging, which takes a cross section of cells in your body and maps mm-hmm. disease. And that is just so wild. Or I talked to a dinosaur scientist that they now know that dinosaurs had feathers because there's little nudules in their bones that the feathers mm. attach to just like birds. So every scientist I talk to blows my mind. And I, as they're talking, I make like a list of follow-up questions that are way beyond the scope of the time that we have. And uh, I hope that comes across when I'm talking to the scientists, just how excited I am because I'm that excited about science as a teacher when I'm teaching kids yeah. and it's infectious. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Absolutely. And there's always something new to learn, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. Science, science, if science is never going to be satisfied, it will always ask questions. It's like a three-year-old 
why, why, how come, why, why, how come? And then it's like a three-year-old telling you what they found out about. Like, I don't know if you've, a three-year-old has ever tried to explain something exciting to you. They are so excited and they're like stumbling over the language that they've just learned, but that's what science is. It's learning, communicating, and just being excited about the world that we live in. Yeah, it's great. It's wonderful because, you know, I think we said earlier, sometimes science is perceived as really, really difficult and intense and really hard to get your head around. But, yeah, you know, it's wonderful. We need to know more about how we operate and how the universe operates. And, yeah, it's amazing. The, it's amazing from stuff. Big, from the big to the small, small, it's important to us all. It is. So who would be your dream guest? <laughs> you have to choose one. <laughs> Somebody you haven't had already from, from the world science community. Okay. So unfortunately, this person um, has passed away. But when I was growing up, the person that got me into science was a guy, guy named Carl Sagan. Um, Carl Sagan hosted a TV show. Um, called Cosmos. And he had this like voice and a calm way of speaking that was kind mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. just drew you in. And if I could speak to anyone, um, it would be the late Carl Sagan. And oh. I think, I don't know what I would ask him, but I would probably just say thank you. Yeah. Yeah. For setting you off on that path. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Wow. So you're such a busy person, Jason. So busy. <laughs> what is next for you? Uh, well, it's the summer. So we usually take, I'm a teacher, so we get the summer holidays, right? The perk of being a teacher. Um, and my wife and I worked really hard in July. We wrote the book, Text from Munson 2. We are working on an activity book, which we're really excited about, which is like uh, Bunsen and Beaker activity book for kids where they can do mazes and word scrambles and, and coloring. So it's going to be, it's something that I've been trying to get our, our, our voice to is kids because on Twitter, it's, it's not, it's not like not eight, some eight year old kid isn't tweeting, <laughs> you know? Um, but we, we want to get the science communication to kids because right now our communication is to, older teens and adults. And um, my wife and I are both teachers and we, we know that kids are, kids are the most precious resource mm -hmm. there is. And I, I really think we could do some good with our content with science education with kids. So. That's brilliant. Well, Jason, it's been absolutely wonderful talking to you. For <laughs> our you. listeners, they can find you. I think if they just tap in Bunsen and Beaker, they will find you yeah you're either going to get the muppets or you're going to get my dog <laughs> so they will they will be able to find you it's been a pleasure to talk to you um i think i am inspired possibly to try and come face to face with a chunky murder weasel but i <laughs> i may regret that um, i would take 20 chunky murder weasels over one cobra chicken any day. <laughs> <laughs> I should remember that. <laughs> Thank you very much. You bet. Thank you.